Every individual in marriage needs time to evaluate how they deal with past and present issues. Not doing personal reflection often leads to unaddressed concerns that can stay hidden between spouses and God. In this episode, Kelly and Samuel address these topics and give therapeutic advice that points toward increased communication with God and your spouse. This is Together. This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways that marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Samuel Jones and Dr. Kelly Bonniewell. So Samuel, I got some good news for you. You have some good news for me. Well, what do you, what's the news? Today is our last day, hopefully, fingers crossed, (laughs) that we are going to be using this website called Sincaster to do our recordings because, again, fingers crossed, we're setting up a studio to finally get back to doing live, in-person recording. What are your thoughts about that? Praise God, this is exciting because you know what, Kelly, this has been good. It's been a great start, but boy, I I tell you, it would be nice to see your face when I crack all of my great jokes. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know if you're laughing or you're like, Samuel, that was a horrible joke. You know, so I just, I can't wait to see your smiling face and, and uh, instead of this audio only stuff, man, get a chance to just talk to you and talk with our guests. In person, I think that's going to be the most enjoyable part is talking to our guests and getting a chance to interact. It's just much more war- warmer. Absolutely. So in, it's in two weeks, right, that we uh, yeah. have our, our first live recording, right? Yeah, our first live recording with guests. Yeah, we got some guests coming that are going to be talking to us about some really amazing stuff. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> and uh, in Obviously, I also think uh, the recording itself will be dramatically, dramatically better than what we've been able to produce. Right. Right. So, I know uh, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I agree. I agree. So today, essentially, uh, the title of our podcast is Things Aren't Always What They Appear to Be. And I have a story about this. Do you want to hear a story? Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay. Well, this story happened when I was 11 years old. And when I was 11 years old, I got to see the ocean for the first time. And uh, my family, and this tradition began way back when I was uh, in middle school. Uh, This tradition was all of the Bonnie Wells would go out to um, Delaware, Bethany Beach, Delaware. And often when I, and we did that for years. I, in fact, I did it, uh, I did it all the way up until a couple of years ago. And really? uh, it was just an amazing, it's an amazing, beautiful place to vacation. Cause a lot of people will tell me you go vacation in Delaware. And I'll be like, yeah, Delaware is beautiful. It's got beaches. It's got bays. You got Ocean City, Maryland, which is like basically a fun spot with go-karts and a carnival and a really amazing boardwalk. But that year, uh, one of the, the other thing about my family, my mom had a tradition that whenever we went on vacation, we would, uh, she would allow us to buy magazines and books as much as we wanted. And it was basically so we wouldn't bother her and keep busy with ourselves in the car, my sister and I. In that year, I bought a bunch of magazines and books about sharks. 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 Yep. Sharks. And shark attacks, <laughs> you know, so I'm, a, I'm this middle school kid reading all these scary stories. And I think be- so I grew up in Illinois and I think before we ever got even out of Ohio, I had read them all. 
Wow. And I knew everything there was to know about sharks and <laughs> how sharks attacked and uh, just all of the different details about sharks. So we get to the ocean and I fall in love with the ocean. The ocean is the ocean uh, is really important to me because just standing next to it, you really get to see the vastness of it and the power of it. And, uh, and, uh, and in some way, it reminds me of uh, God and just how beautiful he is as a creator. So all week, I'm swimming in the ocean with my cousins. And the second to the last day, I decided... Uh, to swim out further into the ocean than I than I had ever done before. Wow. Have you ever swam in the ocean, Samuel? I put my toe in, but that's as close as I went. Okay, so <laughs> the the ocean. So this is the Atlantic Ocean, and the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, the waves break, and they break maybe thirty to forty feet out from the beach. And then if you keep on swimming further into the ocean, it's not as it's not as wavy. And if you keep on swimming, what like nobody swims beyond kind of where the waves break. Typically, they kind of stay right uh, before where the waves break and just kind of wade and get the sun. But I want it. And I noticed that way out, probably another 20 or 30 feet out. There were every now and then you'd see a person who was just swimming the shoreline. Sure. And they were just swimming the entire shoreline. So like swimming a long, long ways. And so I waited all the way out there and mm. I was quite a distance from anybody else. And I was just kind of waiting in the water and letting the sun hit my face, enjoying myself. And then I noticed, uh, all the people were getting out of the water. And oh. I'm kind of like, well, that's weird. And my 11-year-old mind thought, oh, well, I've never seen this happen on the days before that I was swimming in the ocean. But maybe periodically they just ask people to get out of the water. And so I'm still kind of confused. <laughs> and then all my of a sudden. I couldn't hear what you said. Siri again. <laughs> what are the chances? <laughs> what are the chances? Siri's reading my, and I had her on silent or him. I changed my Siri to a guy, and uh, and now he's interrupting us. So this is the second time this has happened. That's oh. hilarious. Anyway, back to the story. Um. So I, I'm just kind of waiting out there, and then all of a sudden I notice that the light, a lifeguard comes out onto the beach, and he screams into his mega horn thing, and he just says, uh, everybody out of the water, everybody out of the water, sharks, sharks. And I turn around, I'm freaking out, and I look way mm. out into the ocean, and there is a huge ship. And there, right next to this ship, were about five different fins. Oh, and I'm no. like, oh, my goodness. So I swim as hard as I can towards the beach. But you have to understand, I had read all of those magazines and articles about shark attacks. So I knew, sure. for example, sharks love to attack their prey, in particular 11-year-old boys. Hmm. Um, and right where the waves break. So the entire time I'm just swimming as hard as I can towards the beach, the entire time I'm thinking there's a shark right behind me. 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 <laughs> and I finally get to the waves. I finally get to the beach and they're standing. Uh, Cause I was kind of on my, uh, on all fours right there. The, the the lifeguard yells into his mega thing. He says, false alarm. It was dolphins. <laughs> no, listen, wait. Oh, stop the press. Stop the press. So here you are. You're thinking there's sharks slash jaws. Jaws is behind you. And jaws definitely behind me. 
and, and, and you're swimming hard. You get all the way to the beach and the lifeguard decides to say false alarm. Huh. Yep. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't get into the ocean for the rest of our trip. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> oh, things aren't always as they appear, huh? <laughs> things aren't always as they appear. Oh, man. Well, that is an incredible story to start off and kick off our podcast for today. If you didn't get it by now, it is to, we are talking about things aren't always as they appear. And you heard Kelly share a story about when he was 11. Now, Kelly, I can't I, I'm 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 in my 30s and I can't even remember what happened to me when I was 11. So you have an amazing memory. <laughs> Oh, well, come on. If that were to happen to you, you would never forget that story. I, I bet. Listen, I remember falling down the stairs or getting on a bicycle and, and falling backwards. But other than that, that's that was that's pretty traumatic. Some sharks slash dolphins that were chasing you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, well, you know, you're probably thinking, OK, well, how does Kelly's story actually, you know, uh, apply to marriage? And I'll tell you right now, I think that many cases as you know, married individuals ourselves and those who are married or thinking about marriage, listening to this podcast, I think we often cases develop ideas about our spouses that aren't always based on fact, but in many cases based off of kind of two things, our perceptions and our experiences. You know, you could probably maybe see yourself, you know, when you were younger or in a story with your family where you believe things were one way because of an experience or because of a thing that happened uh, with yourself or your family, but it took someone else or something else happening for you to be challenged um, and for your perception or idea to be challenged to find out that it might not have been so true. You know, and I think that I found Kelly where, you know, I've worked with, a, you know, couples and, and those who have been married for, for quite some time and, and I'm finding that this is often cases the challenge for a lot of individuals who are married. Um, I can remember a story, speaking of which, you know, where I was working with a couple and, you know, the wife came in very hardened, um, very heart stricken. Um, and her idea was that her husband was in some way, shape or form cheating on her. And she was absolutely convinced that the husband was you know, being, you know, in some level of infidelity on her. Now, when they did get into the office and counseling over the course of several sessions, you know, um, there was this opportunity where, you know, when challenging the husband on, hey, where is your, where's your um, spouse and your wife getting these perceptions and ideas? Mm. Um, and he began to share that, you know, there was, um, he had a son outside of his marriage before he got married. Um, with another woman. And in this time frame, he was dating um, his soon to be wife. And so over the course of time of him always checking in on his son, you know, of course, he had to go through the child's mother um, mm -hmm. to often get to check on with the son. And so for his wife, that was uh, just very difficult and hard. And who can imagine, you know, you can imagine how when, you know, if, if someone has Maybe, you know, a, a step family situation or, you know, or has a family member who's sitting outside um, of their own marital context, how challenging that can be for either spouse to navigate. And so this was the issue and problem in, in their marriage. And over time, you know, she just she was just absolutely convinced because of um, not only her seeing what was going on with her husband paying, you know, attention to his son outside the marriage, but also for her, she was dealing with certain things as it came up over session that had to do with her family uh, background. She had mm -hmm. a father that had stepped out on her mother um, and was in was uh, in a place of infidelity. She also had relationship traumas, you know, over the course of time um, with past relationships, and all these things began to be issues. Kelly, within her own context of how she saw men. And how she also saw her husband. And so kind of as the tension began to continually build up over the course of their marriage, I remember talking with, you know, her and him in individual settings. And in that time, it was like, hey, you know, when challenging both of them, I said, what's the possibility that, 
you know, your spouse isn't cheating. And also what's the possibility that your past and the things that you've been through are creating a construct or an idea in your mind that your husband is is being, you know, in a place of stepping out. Now, I, I can't give a percentage, Kelly, but often cases the wife or a husband feels like their spouse is stepping out. Most of the time, they are probably, probably right. But in this case, it wasn't. And it began to be revealed that it was really both based on, you know, her construct of the things that she had been through and the tensions that she had built up. And in that, what needed to happen was a place of, validation for her in regards to the things that she had been through, but also there needed to be some boundaries built up for him in regards to how he and her went about, you know, supporting their child outside of marriage and also ways for her to feel like she could trust him. Mm -hmm. And those were some really important elements. And so I just, I just share that story to start off to be like, you know, when, when we're challenged in marriage, there are often cases just like Kelly's story, just like the story I shared where things aren't always as they appear, you know? Yeah, I really like that story, Samuel, because I do think, you know, I've done it, you've done it. Um, what we do sometimes is we layer our past experiences on our present experiences. Exactly. And um, sometimes, sometimes those past experiences do us well and they and they inform us but in other cases they can uh confuse us and that that story you just shared about um the the couple that you worked with uh there was you know a, as you investigated uh there maybe was a strong possibility that this woman was layering her past in particular with her dad and mm-hmm. how he was unfaithful to um to her spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I found too in these moments, Kelly, like when, when navigating these types of things, and especially for our listeners, if you're listening to our podcast for the first time, what we try to do is give you stories and, and layered items to think about as you're, as you're progressing and processing your own marriage. But I think that in, in processing marriage, it's important that when we're dealing with, you know, these ideas and perceptions that are based off of all these different dynamics of family or past or issues, it's important too that we go back to the base of, of truth in any situation. And the base of truth, um, at least for this podcast, is the Bible. And, you know, this biblical aspect of, okay, God, when we have thoughts, ideas, perceptions, you know, what do we do with our feelings and ideas and thoughts? when we're challenged with situations that we believe to be true about marriage, about our workforce, about our children, whatever the context is. And I think that the Bible gives, you know, and I'm going to just share a couple of scriptures if that's okay, Kelly. That'd be um, great. Love yeah, it. Just to, yeah. Just to kind of give some context to our discussion. And I think about Philippians four and eight being one of those, you know, and the Philippians four and eight, and this is the NIV version that I'm reading. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Hmm. And if you go back a couple verses even before that, you go to the sixth verse, it points out to not even be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So, I think just a, a starter point of whenever we're thinking about things that may be in contention with or create a place of tension with those who are around us that we love dearly, it's important to be like, hey, what, what am I thinking about? Am I already coming into a situation with a mental, emotional or spiritual kind of slight uh, against someone because of the past or because of what I've dealt with? Or am I literally coming in with a place of, OK, this is where truth starts for me. I'm going to already be thinking about whatever is right, lovely, admirable, true, you know, because in that, that gives me at least a starter perception that, you know what, even if things aren't going good in my marriage, I have an opportunity to think about the things that God has authorized for me to think about. That gives me a place of relief and release of tension. And I think that that's a point even where First Peter 5 and 7 tells us to you know, cast our cares upon the Lord, 
and mm-hmm. casting those kind of those cares upon the Lord, it just gives us an opportunity to know that whenever we're dealing with issues or problems, you know, for whatever, for wherever and however they got to us and through us, uh, we have to start with a biblical standpoint. So that way our mind and our thoughts and our ideas and our perceptions are challenged first off from a place of individual context, instead of always bringing those things, you know, right into the place of marriage. That's at least a, a good place for me where I think to kind of start when we're talking about jumping into things that aren't always as they appear. Yeah, that's great, Samuel. And we're going to do, we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but uh, so number one, don't layer your past relationships on your spouse and really look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you doing that? And then the second thing, which we'll talk about a little bit deeper than what I'm going to say here, and that is, uh, it's very important that you are always checking in with your spouse. Oh, true. Um, speaking, speaking the truth, sharing really what's going on in your heart. Um, you know, you, you, you've heard the adage, you know, if, uh, you know, Hey, I'm not a mind reader. We have to remember that, um, our spouse can't read our mind and it's really important to have, uh, important conversations with our spouse about things that are going on in our mind thoughts, you know, like with this, uh, wife that you were talking about, obviously on some level. She maybe was thinking a lot. Oh, is he cheating on me? Mm-hmm. Is he is he is he uh, cheating on me with his ex? You know, and 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 that would obviously cause a lot of anxiety with her. And so it's kind of a two step process that you talked about, Samuel. And that is a cast your cares, yeah, uh, on the Lord. But you can't stop there. Oftentimes, exactly, you need to interact with the people that you're maybe on some level struggling with and uh, just try to, you know, just try to get everything out on the table. Yeah, I agree, Kelly. I I think I too have found, you know, you always say, I've heard this adage of, oh, counselor, know yourself. And I have found even in my own marriage where, you know, I took that step. I'm not going to give you anything that I don't do myself, but I've taken that step of where I've had an issue or problem with my spouse, with my wife. And I've taken it to the Lord. I've said, Lord, I'm going to lay this before you at your feet in prayer, ask you to give me some guidance and discernment on it and wisdom on it. And I lay it there. But then (laughs) just like a good father, just like a good God, God kind of almost like, okay, now thank you for laying it at my feet, but I need you in conversation since you married someone to go in conversation and communication and talk with her about it. Exactly. And, you know, I think that is where the freedom lays. It's like, okay, I've literally given it to God. And then God has, in a sense, challenged me to go back to my wife and say, hey, I have this problem. I have this issue that's happening and with you. And I feel like we need to converse and talk about this thing. So that way we can have some place of just some solidarity on whatever the topic or issue is. I know when I've done that, you know, and again, I'm being very general, but I know when I've done that, you know, that has helped with a place of, okay, number one, I, 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 I feel like me and my wife have gone to the higher power, have gone to God to be like, Lord, help me navigate this for myself first. Let me make sure it's not me. And even if it is me, let me bring it before you. But then second step, just like you're saying, Kelly, is this aspect of, okay, God, whether it's me or not me. This is also something because I've chosen to bring someone else in my life or me cho- choosing to be in someone else's life. I have an obligation almost to go talk to my spouse about what's bothering me or what potentially is bothering her and that we haven't shared and talked about because that creates a place of greater and deeper intimacy with each other. Mm-hmm. It creates a place of greater communication because we all know that communication often cases is one of the top problems in marriage and that often lead to divorce. And and in that, again, creates a place of for us to have better communion when we're dealing with, you know, things that can challenge the aspect of our marriage. 
Yeah, and and again, going back, that story is so perfect, Samuel, about that couple that you're working with, because there's so many learning lessons in there. So one learning lesson is, you know, possibly this wife is, you know, holding on to all of this anxiety, thinking her husband is cheating on her with his ex. But say in this instance, she's holding on to all of that anxiety or anger even, and it's causing disconnection. And he doesn't even know what's going on inside her mind about this. Mm -hmm. But then what happens, she gets the courage and says, honey, I've got to tell you something. And she explains it. And maybe she even layers on that story, which maybe her husband had never fully understood, about that layer of her own past with her dad and how he was unfaithful. And that, on some level, emotionally and relationally scarred her. Yeah. And so then what happens now, her husband has a deeper understanding of his wife. He can now have compassion for her. Mm. And then the final thing, which could maybe turn out that is they could maybe even like in that story, she gets anxious when he goes and picks up his son or his daughter to bring him back home. And that's when she gets anxious because. That's when she's thinking, oh, that's when he's cheating on me. Exactly. Now they can come up with maybe a better plan. And that plan maybe would be, you know what? This would be the husband talking. You know what, honey? When I pick up um, George, why don't you come with me? Mm -hmm. And then that inevitably will build trust. Yeah. Yeah. That is so key that you just shared that because those were some of the things and you know, that we did. But I think in the process of that, it's important. And I love that last point you made. You have to almost create sometimes when you're dealing with issues or problems, again, if it's a child outside of marriage or it's, you know, a certain TV show that you know you're not supposed to watch or whatever the issue is, boundaries in marriage are just as important as as anything else. If you don't have boundaries actually that are expressed, not just implied, Mm-hmm. Those things are so important when you're trying to navigate, you know, issues and problems um, in the place of marriage, because with boundaries, it's not saying that you can't do something. What it's saying is, hey, we have to agree together based off of whatever this issue or problem is, a way to circumvent or a way to navigate a particular situation to that way be protective of each other, to be in a place of safety with each other, and just to make sure each other is on the same wavelength, you know, in regards to whether it is. Boundaries are important. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I think that like in those things, you know, as we're navigating, we're talking about a particular situation, but this may apply to you listeners in a way that where you're feeling like, okay, well, you know, what if it's not infidelity? Uh, that are, I'm, I'm dealing with as a problem in my in my marriage. Maybe it's just a place of there are things that happened in the in in you know in my life that I feel like I haven't even addressed. And I think that that's important. If you ever feel like there's situations in your life where you have not addressed certain things, that's why we're here to encourage you to talk to a therapist or talk to a counselor um, to to start that conversation because. Some in some cases, when you're dealing with things presently, you know, just as Dr. Bonnewell has mentioned, it's this thing of, hey, there's issues that are layered. And when you have layered things and you're not even aware of those layered things, being able to address those things, talk with someone who can give you professional help. That's a way to at least initially start the process. But don't stop there, because maybe there's questions that you need to ask yourself. You know, did your spouse give you a reason to, you know, give you a reason to be untrustworthy or feel unvalidated or feel like, you know, they were some level of uh, of emotional or mental abuse? You know, did you grow up maybe even in a home where you saw these things happen and therefore based off of what you've seen happen, you started to create caricatures in your mind Mm. about you know the way your spouse is or the way that your child is treating you or the way that your parents are treating you and it's playing out in your marriage. Those things are so important to to navigate before you even, you know, 
begin to like, you know what? My spouse is the issue because your spouse is not your enemy. I, I think that was one of the most important things that I learned in my premarital phase, Kelly, was to be like, you know, what? when you're having issues, your spouse is not your enemy. Your spouse um, yeah. is, is in most cases there to help you and be in your best interest. If you come in with the ideation that your spouse is against you or your spouse is trying to stop you or your spouse is going to cause some type of mental, emotional or verbal abuse to you, that's what you're going to often play out in a daily, in a daily, you know, vantage point when you're navigating issues with your spouse. Oh, they're against me. Oh, they don't agree with me. Oh, there's this issue. And when you have that caricature in your mind already, as you're thinking about particular subjects, you can come to a place where this conversation could be simple and it turns into a toxic conversation based off of all these different layers that are playing out in your mind. Not to say that, you know, those layers aren't true. Mm-hmm. But those layers are often experiences that then play out in your mind individually that then impact and affect your spouse. Thus, the saying that we just got done saying and sharing in the theme of this podcast, things aren't always as they appear. So good, Samuel. So good. And again, that gets back to, uh, I think, a normal thing that happens with a lot of couples, especially if they've been married for a few years. Yeah, they hold on to those tensions that are within them and maybe even again expect that their spouse is a mind reader. Like, you know what I'm thinking right now. You know, I'm upset at you, um, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why it's and sometimes it can be kind of scary, you know, because uh, maybe your spouse doesn't always respond in the way that you want them to. Uh, Maybe they respond with, uh, when you're bringing up a hard conversation, maybe they respond with anger. Mm. Or maybe they respond with silence. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they respond with denial of the situation. So um, I think what happens with a lot of couples as they, uh, uh, the longer you're married, especially if it's an unhealthy marriage, is you check out of those difficult conversations that need to be had. So true. So true. That sounds like, you know, this, you know what that sounds like and reminds me of, and here's just a little bit of a psychobabble and psychotherapeutic talk for you listeners. But that sounds like the executive function of the brain where it does the fight, fight, flight, and freeze. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's so interesting that, that, that's, that plays out in the context of marriage and conversations too. You could, you could be in a place where, Literally, you know, you're you're ready to fight someone based off of something that they said or a misunderstanding. And that's just how you respond. You could also literally be, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen those commercials where the wife is talking and the husband just totally checks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's flighting in his brain. He's like, I'm not here. I'm somewhere exactly. with my friends. I'm at the bar. (laughs) I'm watching the Detroit Lions game because they just frustrated me, but I'm still there. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I think that that's what I think of when you just said that all those different aspects of the brain that ends up happening when, you know, you're having these conversations, whether you're checking out or you're ready to just be, you know, go tit for tat with your spouse. So on that note, then, Samuel, I think on some level, Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's you and I talk about this. What might what this might mean? I think it's very very important when you're married that you evaluate your own issues. Like, yeah. what are my issues? Yeah. What baggage do I bring to my marriage? Yeah. So I'm going to give you two, and that is uh, trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I genuinely struggle trusting my spouse? You need to really look in the mirror and answer that question honestly. Yeah. Do I genuinely trust my spouse? And now let me say this as an adage. Sadly, you might be married to somebody who is not trustworthy, like genuinely. Mm. Yeah. Um, this this really isn't we're not we're not talking to that person right now. We're talking to the person who doesn't trust their spouse, but their spouse is trustworthy. Correct. 
And But what they're doing, kind of, again, going back to Samuel's uh, example of the couple he worked with, are you layering, layering your past on to your spouse or your children or to your friendships? There are some people, um, a big question I think some people need to ask is, do I really even trust anybody? Is there anybody in my life that I 95% trust, like Mm. significantly trust, Mm. that they will be there for me, that they have my best interest at heart, um, that they're going to encourage me, et cetera, et cetera. So that's um, uh, one thing that I would ask listeners to think about. Do you trust your spouse? Do you struggle Mm. with that? And it's really about you. It's not about your spouse. The other one would be validation. Are you the type of person who, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but do you, uh, when it comes to validation, do you need consistent words of affirmation and support? Mm -hmm. And how does that make you feel when you don't receive it? And again, I think what a lot of people or people who are married or in significant relationships do is that is them. uh, And, but they don't communicate that to their spouse. And therefore there's a, there's a breakage there. There's a disconnection and it's okay for you to go to your spouse and just say, you know what? I'd really appreciate uh, more validation. I'll give you one that I've been thinking a lot about Samuel, and and you probably know about this concept. Um, John Gottman, we've talked about John Gottman before. He's probably the number one researcher with marriage. He talks about this concept of bids. Mm -hmm. Have you learned about bids yet? I have. Okay. So a bid is when I go to my spouse and, and often it's a very, very simple thing. Um, like, uh, Samuel, you, you try to think of a bid, too. I'll try to come up with one here. A bid okay. would be um, you go to your spouse and you say to them, hey, uh, I just saw on the news this story. You tell them the story. Or I just read a book and I learned this. And that is a bid. That, a bid is when you're trying to create a connection with your spouse. But often what happens with bids is we reject them. Yeah. Okay. So a rejection of a bid would be, there. in this case, uh, say I went to Julie and said, oh, honey, I read this book and it was really interesting. And I really loved how the author talked about this. Here's two negative, bid, uh, two, uh, negative reactions to a bid. One would be to ignore it, okay? And the other one would be to reject it. So I'm going to Julie, or Julie's coming to me and sharing this, and I'm making a bid, and she just stays silent. Uh, The other one would be she rejects it, meaning, well, I don't believe that. Okay, that's a rejection of a bid. And what that will do is that will create a disconnection in your relationship. So it's very important that when your spouse is making a bid, that you engage versus disengage. Mm. What are your thoughts about that? I think that's so important. Um, I know when I was studying the Gottman method and he talked about bids and cues. those aspects of how we often, um, and it's not one spouse more than the other, but how we often, you know, hear our spouse talking or sharing something, we don't always think of it as a place of connection. We we may think of it as, oh, they're just talking. <laughs> Especially if you have, let's just say your spouse is the uh, extroverted, outgoing, social type like Kelly, you know, <laughs> and 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 so and they begin to start talking and sharing things. You're like, oh, that's nice. Well, right there, you just ignore a bit. <laughs> you know, Kelly could be literally talking. You know, I'm not Kelly's spouse. That's 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 a joke for today. But you know, but Kelly could be literally talking to me about you know this amazing thing that happened in in you know Texas, 
and how him and his wife wanted to go with this per- go with another spouse to Texas for vacation. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really nice, Kelly. What did I just ignore? That could have been a bid, just for example, of mm-hmm. saying, hey, we'd love to invite you all to come, but I just want to bring mm-hmm. it to you, you know, and, and see what you think. But right in that case, I might have just ignored it and missed my blessing for me and my wife to go on vacation with Kelly and his wife. And we were going to pay for you to go. Oh, my goodness. Listen, <laughs> I want to come with you right now. But I think that, you know, in those moments, that's just an, another example of how often cases we subtly often miss great places of communication and connection, as you were mentioning, with our spouse, which would then create, a, again, a greater place of communion, intimacy and support. You know, when we're actually paying attention to what they're saying and talking about. So good. So one final, well, one final one for me, and then you have something you want to share about this. But uh, and that is, how are you navigating past hurts or trauma in your life? Have you fully dealt with them? Because, again, those traumas or past hurts are what we can layer onto our current relationships, whether it's a husband, a wife, or your children, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that again, and we've talked about it before, that's where you might want to uh, meet with a counselor or read a good book about um, dealing with past hurts. And uh because that is a very important dynamic in in relationships. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I'll just you know I'll just add this piece to that. Just you know to give our listeners kind of something to walk away with. And you know you might have heard me talk about this context or concept in a past podcast, but this idea of ice, you know, is one acronym that I kind of came up with to help my you know, my, my, my clients and all just other individuals kind of think about ways to navigate things personally um, in a place of their, you know, their marriage or just for themselves. And ICE literally stands for information, context, and experience. And what I mean by that is in many cases, information guides how we navigate issues or how we see our world. You know, there's there's books that you're reading that are giving you knowledge and information and in regards to how you think about your spouse or how you think about dealing with certain issues. That's information. You could have had information based off of what your mom or dad or someone told you, you know, and and that guides you based off of what you're thinking about. So one of the first things I always tell my clients, just individuals in general is, hey, what kind of information is are you processing or what's what are you reading or what are you seeing in the world? Um, that makes you think the way that you do in regards to the particular problem or issue. The second thing I often tell people is, what is your context? Now, if you are a person that's heard that word before, context really just means, you know, what are all those things from the way that you talk about something, you know, your language, your belief system, you know, your family history. That's really what context is. From the biblical standpoint, it's, you know, all those things of literary and, you know, Theological uh, mm-hmm. aspects, all the things we can go through. But for a person, those things remain true too. How did your family, you know, treat, you know, uh, each other? How did your dad and mom treat each other? How did, you know, particular uh, rituals or belief systems play out in the role of your life? Those things impact you just as much as any other types of information does. In fact, they're a type of information. And that's why I always say context is important to kind of navigate as um, you're thinking about your own life and how that may impact your marriage. And then lastly, experience. Experience plays a huge role. Those are, you know, things that we talk about that are often case fact-based or sometimes perception-based that makes you think about different things that play out in your life. Kelly just talked about past hurts and traumas. You know, what kind of things have happened to you or what kind of things did you do or navigate decisions you make that have played out into, you know, certain things? For example, you know, let's just say you, you know, uh, were in a car accident and Mm -hmm. that car accident has made you feel like, man, you know, cars are not a great place to be in. And so therefore, Mm -hmm. I'd much rather take the bus when I go anywhere or I'd much rather ride a bike or I'd much rather 
you know, walk. Let's just say you get married to a person that loves traveling, loves being on the road, loves being in what you would say is unsafe situations. Well, now you have that playing out in the role of your marriage of, hey, let's go to Seattle and let's enjoy a nice trip to the Space Needle. And you're like, well, how are we going to get there? And your spouse looks at you crazily like, hey, uh, we're going to get on a plane or we're going to go backpacking or we're going to take the car and go. And you're like, ah, well, I don't really think that's the safest way to go. And now you have an issue and a problem based off an experience that now is playing a role in your marriage. That's how important it is to kind of navigate then your information, your context and your experience as it plays out in your own self, and then how that may also play out into your marriage. Samuel, I love that acronym that you came up with, and I'm going to I'm going to steal it from you. Okay, <laughs> that's great. That <laughs> it came from God, so it's, it's, it's you know what? It's God's idea. <laughs> that is really helpful and really good. So to wrap things up, uh, one of the things that you, for our listeners, have heard Samuel and I talk about in particular in the first couple podcasts is that love is in particular in marriage, but just love in general. Love in general is a willed action. That's what it is. It's not a feeling. Uh, The uh, perfect example of this is Jesus when he is going to the cross. He's in Gethsemane. And he's even asking the father if there's a possibility of a way out. That was his feelings. He he was, that just shows you how much he loved us. Uh, but he willed his love for us and he died for us. And that's the same concept that works in marriage. And so connected to that, love is purposeful. Love doesn't just fall in your lap. You have to be purposeful about it. And on some level, and you've heard Samuel and I talk about this a lot, and we're going to continue to talk about it because it's just a very, very key concept to marriage. And that is to love someone, you have to be purposeful, but that means it's got to be on a calendar. Mm. And, um, and so one of the dynamics that we've talked about, I really encourage you, if you're one of those people listening where you are holding on to things in your mind and you're frustrated or you're worried or you're anxious or you're sad, whatever emotion you're feeling. And if you haven't shared that with your spouse, I'd really encourage you to begin that process. Maybe you don't throw everything out on the table right away, but you kind of leak it out. That's okay. But be purposeful about it. So go to your spouse and say, honey, can we have a conversation at seven o'clock tomorrow night? Mm. And then what I would probably recommend you do is you would do that weekly, that you would sit down with your spouse weekly to have what you're struggling with or what you're angry about. And it doesn't even have to be in the context of your marriage. It could be in how you're raising your children or what your children are going through. It could be about what is happening at work. It could be about what's happening in your family, your extended family. But if you're holding on to all of that stuff, that is not good. And so we just really encourage you to be purposeful about uh really putting significant conversations on the calendar um, to really share what you're going through. What are some final thoughts you have about that, Samuel? Yeah, I think that's just super important to, to do that, um, to walk that out. I know me and my wife, especially on this last point that you made of calendaring the conversations, not withholding it from your spouse, like in those moments where me and my wife have done it, we typically you know, other than a, other than outside of a date night, you know, we typically have a really huge evaluation season during our uh, our uh, anniversary, and it's not necessarily on the anniversary date, but it's during the anniversary week, and that helps us know that every year we have a way to check in on each other and create a place of communication, whether it's hard, difficult, 
Or it's like, man, I'm looking forward to that. I know I did great as a spouse. You know, all the, all the things that come, you know, in that season, it helps me and my wife, you know, navigate those things as well. And calendaring conversations is just so important. And, and yes, it could create a place of anxiety initially. But what did we say at the top of this podcast? We said, cast your cares upon the Lord. Cast your anxiety, you know, your thoughts, the things that you're feeling most anxious about. And even sometimes those things that you feel like you don't want to worry your spouse about when you do that, it just, again, creates a place of, okay, Lord, I know that you are going to surround me with peace. And it also reminds me, Kelly, of the podcast that we talked about, you know, what are the chief struggles in marriage, you know, anxiety, lust, depression, and anger. And Mm -hmm. those things play out in a daily, in an individual context and also in a marital context. Mm-hmm. How we navigate those things begin to be so important. But uh, but uh, if we want true change, another thing that you always say is if you want true change, it's got to start with the Lord. It's got to start with God and giving it to him. So that way you can then go to your spouse and deal with problems and the issues. Yeah. So I think that uh, that is a wrap for our podcast today and uh, hopefully listeners you've enjoyed these um, these past couple of episodes back you know you've listened to all of them great if you haven't please go back and check them out and listen to them some of the concepts that we've shared have been talked about in various others uh, today was a kind of a refresher and, and a new idea in terms of you know thinking about things from a perspective of them not always appearing as they do but again we just want to encourage you to Check out our podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, as well as just send and share these podcasts to others and let them know that Together is on the air and for you. And we look forward to listening to you and talking to you later. Thanks for listening to Together. We hope that you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, email us at care at adabible.org.